This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. Tonight, as we uh, unpack counseling sessions and look through this, uh, tonight we're going to talk about transitions. Um, anybody in a place where you're at a transition, you've got to try to figure out, do I go right or do I go left? And so we're going to talk about the unsure direction. Uh, we all experience moments of transition with or situations beyond our control. Um, how many of you know that? There are certain things that you're walking through that you've got to make the decision, and some things have been made for you, right? Beyond your control, what are you going to do? And so how do you determine your path when you are unsure of God's direction? So tonight we're going to look at, there are going to be times, I think, in your life where you're going to say, I know this is pretty clear. If I go right, I'm being obedient. If I go left, I'm being disobedient, right? Does that make sense? Or sometimes it's just obvious. If I do this, I'm in sin, I'm walking away from God. And I'll tell you, sometimes that's really easy. You, You can feel tempted to do what's wrong, but you know what you need to do, right? One of the most frustrating things that I'll uh, come into contact with, and a lot of times people will come to me, they'll say, Pastor, I got two good options, and neither of them are sinful. Pick one for me. (laughs) Right? Like, this one seems good, and this one seems good. What do I do? Have you ever been there, anybody? (laughs) Where you've had like two or three, like none of them are bad, and none of them are sinful, but it's just like, which one do I choose, you know? Um, and, And so how do I know for sure? And so that can be a whole lot of host of situations. Um, I spent a lot of time with um, uh, at North Greenville this this week and spent some time with our students there and and student body. And, and you, you look at a college student, right? And they, they were had the hardest time just figuring out which college do I want to go to, right? And then like God's will, should I you know date this person or date that person? And some are like, Lord, just give me a date. I don't care who it is, just you know, somebody, right? Uh, but then what major do I declare? What do I do after school? And and a lot of times, but then it, it's not like that goes away once you're 21, 22, right? That at every stage of your life, it's do I take this job? Do I make this financial investment? What do I do with this relationship? And sometimes it should be very clear. You just look at what God's word says. It should be clear. Sometimes though, it, it's not so clear. Might be good options in how you weigh through them. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, I love these verses. These are um, verses that um, I will pray through regularly for my own life where it says this. Look carefully then how you walk, verse 15, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So he says you want to look at how you're walking, right? You want to see what you're doing to make sure that you're taking the proper steps and whatnot. Now, I don't know if anybody in here, if you would classify yourself as someone who is like physically clumsy, right? Okay, where you will sometimes, I need to look how I walk because I'm always tripping up over my own two feet or stepping into a hole here or getting myself into trouble. But he's saying more than just how you physically walk, he says, look how you're, you're walking through your life spiritually mentally, what, what you're doing, and look carefully at it, because folks, if you don't realize it, there's dangers along the way, is there not? There's stuff you can step into that you can't get out of. There, there's stuff that can, that can cause damage or get you off path. And so it said, look very carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, and making the best use of the time. If Paul tells this church that there's a best use of time, what does that also imply? There's a worst use of time, right? There is a, okay, if this is God's ideal, then, then over here, this may be somewhere where I'm off the, the path a little bit, and now I'm in the worst use of time. And so um, I, I know that for me, when I was in college and trying to make some of these decisions in my life, God, do you want me to do this or do this? Like, I don't know. And sometimes, have y'all ever felt this burden where there's a lot of people that have a whole lot of things they want you to do? 
You know what I'm saying? You need to do this, and you need to do this. And you go, how how do I know for sure? And I had a mentor tell me in college, said, Travis, you only have enough time to do God's will. In your life, there's a time that's been allotted to you, and you only have enough time to do God's will. And if you start stuffing everybody else's will into your life, guess what you don't have time to do? You don't have time to do God's will. And so he says, you got to be really careful. And so that's why Paul says, make the best use of your time. So when you think through transitions, right? You think through, okay, what does this mean? Like these opportunities, you want to say for the next day of your life, for the next 10 years of your life, for the next season, whatever God has for you, you want to say, God, I, I want to use this time to the best of my ability. A lot of times I will pray and say, God, make sure that I use this day, <laughs> I use this week or this year that I can hit the best lick I possibly can for you. Does that make sense? <laughs> Like that, I, I can be doing a lot of things, but I want to use the best, the best use of the time. And this is why also it says, make the best use of the time because the days are, they're evil. Are there some evil things that can distract you today? Sure there are. Evil things that can pull your attention and your time and your resources, all types of things. He says, verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we go, okay, well, I don't, I don't want to be seen as foolish. Of course, I want to understand the will of God. And so therefore, will you give it to me? He goes down and let me just read a few more verses here. Verse 18, here's part of his will. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So what is he saying here? Don't be led by anything other than the Spirit of God. And so if you are getting drunk or if you are being any type of way um, directed by any type of substance outside of you, what that is meaning is that the Spirit of God is not directing you, but something else is. So it said, be careful that you don't have any kind of external influences that you allow in your life that will dictate what you say and what you think about and what you do. Why? Because that's the Spirit's job is to direct you, right? So you want to be very, very careful there. Then he says in verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So this is what he says his will is. Y'all just need to go around singing scripture to other, other people this week, okay? You know, like, hey, how you doing? Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. Right, okay, well, however that looks, right? Um, but folks, I, this may sound a little funny. Some of you are like, mm, I don't need to do that. I'm going to lose some friends, right? Um, but I think that this is an important passage of really saying, let the word of God indwell you so much, the Spirit's directing you so much, that when you speak, wouldn't it be so much better to speak the words of God than your own opinion? You know, just, Lord, let, let me be f- so full of your word that when somebody says, Travis, what do you think? Go, I'm not going to give you what I'm going to think. I'm going to say, thus saith the Lord. Here's what God says. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak it. I'm going to sing it. I'm going to pray it however I can. And then verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so he's saying, look, be very, very careful with your time. And so you have to think through, I am in a certain situation in my life, and what is the best way that I should handle with my own time? And so I want us to look at your situation as we go down this outline here. But I want to realize that everybody here uh, tonight, whether or not you are where you want to be right now, okay? Whether or not you are where you want to be, and you're like, I'm with you in the fellowship hall, Travis. Of course I am where I want to be right now, right? But maybe in life in general, you'd say, you know what? This is not exactly what I, where I thought I would be in this stage of life. Uh, for whatever host the reason is, um, one of the most, um, I think, blunt things that I can say to you or also the he- most helpful things is, it is what it is. Right where you are right now. It may not be what you want it to be, but it is what it is. There's not any changing as far as what's happened in the past. You are where you are today 
for some different reasons, but now we got to focus on what you're going to do now, right? So this, this first one right here is you are where you are based on the decisions you have made and the ones made around you. So if I look at your situation tonight, if I think through my situation, here's what I know. You are where you are based on the decisions you have made and the ones made around you. Um, I, I imagine here tonight that if I could say, how many of you wish you could press rewind and have an opportunity to make a, that decision again? <laughs> you might, you know, go, oh, yes, I, I wish I could go back. And if I could just, oh, if I, if I knew then what I know now, right, I, I would have made that decision differently. I made a financial decision, a relational decision, a uh, circumstance, whatever it was. You go, if I just could go back, I would see things a little bit differently and, and I'd make that decision. But we are where we are based on the decisions you have made. But also, let me say this, you are where you are based on the decisions of those made around you. Okay? Some of us in this room, I'll say everybody in this room, you are somewhat at a disadvantage from the start based on decisions of those before you. Is that fair? Some things you inherited. You didn't ask for it. They just came, right? It's like, all right, well, my family brought drama. You didn't ask for it for Christmas. It just came as part of the territory, right? It's just all that you've ever known. And you felt like you started at a somewhat disadvantage. No matter what disadvantage you started from, is it too big that God cannot address it? Of course not. Of course he can, he can work through it. But we have to address the situation. Where I am right now, I am where I am based on the decisions that I've made or the decisions that have been made around me or even for me. Uh, and so some of those we can control, some of those we cannot. And so the second thing is, as your current situation is formed by external circumstances, what I'd call personal consequences and God's consistency. So if we think through that your current situation, where you are tonight, I believe they're formed by these three things. So external circumstances, stuff be outside of your control, we'll talk about here in a second. Personal consequences, those things you have done, okay? They're yours. you you got to own it. And then also we've got to realize that our current situation is God's consistency, which is the, I would say, the encouraging part in this, okay? So that first one, circumstances. Look at this. Um, you are not responsible for all your circumstances, but you are accountable for how you handle them, okay? So you're not responsible for all of your circumstances, folks. Um, you're not responsible for what your parents did. You're not responsible for maybe what your ex-spouse did. You're not responsible for what your former boss did. You're not responsible for what your crazy neighbor's done. I, I understand that. There are external circumstances, right, that you're not responsible for. But a lot of people will say, what's that, that old line that the leadership principle life is not about um, what happens to you, but how you react to it or how you respond to it, right? That, that type of mentality, there's a lot of different quotes around it. But it comes down to that. that there are certain outside of your control that you're not responsible for. You didn't ask for, uh, but you are accountable for how you handle them. Um, I, this is one of the most frustrating things in life, is it not? This, this isn't my fault, and yet I, I got to deal with it. And yet you can't say, I'm, I did this, but you are now responsible for how you're going to handle yourself um, through this situation. So circumstances is one. The second one is consequences. Don't blame God for allowing the consequences of which he warned you about, okay? Now, some of us right now in this room, including myself, we are dealing with consequences of decisions that we've made, right? God, why did you do this to me? I told you not to do that. And I told you that when you do this, this happens. This is just a consequence of what you have done. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago about someone who was so angry at God because 
He was dealing with consequences of his actions. His decisions had lost his marriage, lost his job, lost his reputation. His kids didn't want to be around him, and now he had the potential of going to prison. And he's mad at God for doing that. And my thing is, God didn't make those decisions. God didn't cross those lines. In fact, he's been warning you all along the way, don't do it. But now, here you are, right here, right now, and you're walking through these natural consequences of your decisions. Folks, um, if you make a bad financial decision and you were living 20 years and trying to get out of debt for it, it's not that God is somehow just against you. This is just how the world operates. And you made a bad call, and now you're dealing with the consequences. Now, if that's discouraging to you, I get it. But I think what we, what's hard is we don't want God imposing his will on our freedom of decisions, but we do want him to impose his blessings once we go against what he's called us to do. Isn't that funny? God, you can't, don't... I'm one of the God who forces me what to do. But once I've done what I want to do and get in trouble, God forced the situation and make all these people not, not address me in that way or, or not make me pay the consequences for it. Um, I have sit, uh, and so many times, whether it's the counseling office or even if it's the, um, the, the, the hearing at the courthouse or, or different situations, I'll go visit a friend who's um, in prison, and people go, I just wish God would just wouldn't have put me in this situation. I go, God didn't put you here. Like you did. These are decisions that you've made. And, and here's why this can be discouraging, but also hopefully hopeful for you tonight. That God is going to allow certain consequences in our life. And have you ever thought about this? That sometimes those consequences may have saved your life. I mean, just think about that for a second. It's just like the, um, the, the parent who, um, if a child's running out the road, I don't know if you're this type of parent, but if one of my children were running out to the road, I would scare them, if not discipline them, for that purpose. I would apply even a little bit of frustration or pain on them. Why? Because I'm angry at them? No, because I want them to live to see more days. And so the hurt of that consequence is, oh, this is painful. Why do I have to go through this? Because I don't want you to see more pain. Some of us right now are dealing with consequences that are painful, and you go, God, why did you make me have to deal with these? And I go, it could be worse. It could have been much worse. There's a little bit of consequences along the way that cause you to wake up, to see the reality, and say, okay, is there something that I need to make a change for? So circumstances are one, consequences are another. And here's the third one, consistency. God's consistency has grounded you more often than your inconsistency can even realize. God's consistency has grounded you more often than your inconsistency can even realize. If you are not where you want to be, Tonight in life, if you're going, you know what, I wish I was here right now, I would say this. Are you aware of how much God has kept you? How much he has watched over you and, and, and done so many incredible things to keep you from some things that you didn't even know about? Um, that quote from uh, John Piper that says, God's normally doing about a thousand things in your life and you're normally aware of three of them. I love that line. <laughs> He's just... I mean, honestly, how many times, I mean, if you drive in Greenville County, you should probably have a wreck about twice a day, right? I mean, it's just it's kind of it's what should happen. And yet, have you ever had those moments that was such a close call? Those close calls, you go, man, it could have been so much worse. And you go, how do you know that God's not sparing you or keeping you? How many times is he sending people to warn you or things that you just missed by that? Or you seen God's grace in, in, even in those hard moments? And I'm saying so many times we have to realize even in our inconsistency, even in our frailties and things we mess up on, 
Do we understand how much God is being consistent even through those hard things? So as we're thinking through those transitions, though, so what do we do next? Here's, here's what I want to talk about God's will. How many of you would love to know God's will tonight, right? For your life, just go, God, just, just give it to me. I will listen to it. Uh, but here's what I realize. Whenever we talk or think or pray about God's will, here's how we normally pray. God, I just really want to know your will, and I'm, just, I'm searching, and I, I just want to hear it from you, whatever it is. And the way that we pray, the way that we talk, we sound like that God's going, well, no, I don't want you to know that. I want to keep that from you. Really? Now, let's be honest. God, I just, I just know that you probably are hiding it from me, and you're trying to keep it a secret, but I just want to know. I'm, just, I'm praying harder, and I'm doing whatever, that God is almost going, yeah, I don't want you to know what I want for your life. Yeah, that's exactly right. So as a father, do I want to hide from my children what I want from their life? No. I want to remind them as much as I can, and I want to say these are important, and I want, to, I want you to see this. Well, God is a father, and guess what? If you think you want to know his will, can I just tell you something maybe shocking? He wants you to know it even more. He wants you to even know it more, right? So God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. That should be reassuring today, right? That God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. When I was in college and trying to figure out life, I had a mentor of mine tell me one time, he said, the way we talk about God's will, it almost sounds like he's the big ogre in the sky, like hiding it from us. Like, oh, just when you're getting close, I'm going to move my will over here and hide it over here. And, oh, let's play this game. I'll tell you if you're getting warmer or colder, right? And he's just sort of throwing us off the loot, right? That, like, in some way, we think that he doesn't want us to know it. If God, folks, if God has a plan for your life, do you think he's trying to hide it from you right now? No, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Now, could he be wanting you to get prepared for it? Now, there's an op uh, option, but I don't think God's trying to hide it from you right now, okay? And so it says the next thing, each of us have an opinion regarding God's will. Here are the common options. I want you to turn the page really quick. Turn over the backside, and I want you to see what I think. There's three options for this. The first one is what I call the dreaded will. Some people think of God's will like this. Wait, if you think that God's will for you would be a dreaded situation, you misunderstand his heart. If you think that God's will for you would be a dreaded situation, you misunderstand his heart. So I think sometimes I hear Christians talk about God's will as if it's dreaded. Like, okay, so give an example. I want you to think about the worst possible situation that God could put you in. Surrounded by the most horrible people that you could possibly imagine. The climate that you can't imagine. The situation that you would just be everything against what you're doing. Do you have that place in your mind? Good. That is God's will for you, right? That's how we often think, right? In fact, some people say, I'm afraid of saying, God, I'll do whatever because he's going to put me on the other side of the world and it's really hot and I won't have any air conditioning because that's obviously what God does to everybody who's ever open to his will. And sometimes we act like God's will for us is something to be dreaded, that it's something would be unfortunate. Can I just tell everybody that the moments that I've gone kicking and screaming to what God is trying to tell me to do Whenever I got there, I go, oh, this is why. This is why. This, this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? That this is how God, you, you've caused us to be. And so if you think that God's will for you would be a dreaded situation, you misunderstand his heart. Now, will God bring difficult things into our life? Sure, if it causes us to draw closer to him. But I, I want everybody to understand this. God's not out to get you. He's not out to frustrate you. He's not out to make you miserable, Okay. He's not. In fact, when he says, I have a will for my kids, it's a very good will, right? So um, 
it's crazy for me to even think about this, but we're, February, my family have been at Rocky Creek for three years. Hard to believe. I feel like I've been here much longer than that, and that means that's a good thing, by the way, okay? So <laughs> I've been here forever. For those of you who've just been here recently, um, our family, we, we haven't been here almost three years, but I can remember talking to our kids. Um, hey, um, so we're going to do something a little different on Sunday. Oh, what are we doing? Uh, we're, Dad's going to go preach at this church. Oh, that's cool. Are we going to go with you? Yeah, you're going to go with me. Because here's the thing we're thinking about. And, and I can remember this like, hey, they want us to help lead what's going on here, and we're going to go in there and serve. And, and what's going to happen when you tell that to your eight-year-old sons, you know, who are really established, and your four-year-old daughter, like, what's going to happen in that moment, right? And um, it was so cool. I was telling Obadiah and Eli, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, oh, they're going to want you to do that? And we get to go? This is awesome! <laughs> like, okay, really? You know, and, and we were excited about it, and they were all gung-ho, and then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's pump the brakes for a second. Does this mean we have to move? Yes. Oh, really? I'm like, yeah, well, it's going to be kind of difficult to do it an hour away. You know, we're going to have to move. And, and there was a moment of, oh, this is going to be hard. But God, you've always been good to our family. Any path that you lead us to, it's a good path. Any, any, any direction you send us on, it's been a good direction. We're going to trust you. And I can remember um, we've been here a few weeks. And I remember somebody, um, one, one day after the service or something we were doing, um, our family, we, we commuted for six months from Greenwood to, to Greenville before we um, could move up here. And I can remember one time, uh, one of my kids looked at me and said, you know what was so frustrating for me? And I said, what's that? And they said, everybody keeps asking me, how's the new church going? And I said, why is that frustrating? He said, I don't feel like it's the new church. I feel like I've been here my whole life in a few weeks. Now, now the fears that we had, right? The things of, oh gosh, what, what's going to happen, right? God's going, I got you. I got you. I'm going to take care of all those little details. The things that we were concerned about, but we didn't actually want to verbalize, the church took care of. The, 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 op the open doors, and you just name it. And like I go, um, when I think through the transition, and uh, for us, for, for those of you who don't know, it was never a thing that um, I never had a resume out. I wasn't looking for this. There were people like Becky Kirby who were talking to God about it and not telling me about it, right? But there, there were people who were praying and, and getting our families connected with this church, and, and yet I would go as nothing we were looking for and nothing that we were against necessarily, but it just wasn't what was on the agenda. And yet when I step back, i got to be honest with you, since that day, weekly if not daily confirmation of God saying, this is why you're supposed to be here. This is why you're here. This is why I've moved you here. And, and were there hard decisions to make? Yes. But folks, can I just tell you that if you trust God with what those decisions are, he's going to be faithful. And you're going to see the blessings of it. And, and I was literally just praying and agonized through this and thinking, oh, this must be a dreaded will. God's going to have horrible things for us if we say this, right? It's going to be so difficult and so challenging. I was somewhere in a meeting and somebody talked about from Hebrews chapter 11 where it says that um, in faith, Abraham left his home to a country where he did not know where he was going. So he left. God told him to leave. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm trusting him. Right? There's this, there's this line that I had actually, it was funny, when going through this. So Abraham left his country yet not knowing where he was going, but he said, I'm, I'm following. One day I was sitting in the car in the middle of it trying to figure out, God, what is your will? And I feel like it's this, but I don't know if I'm ready. And I had... My songs, they were just on shuffle on my phone, and, 
and one of them came on and started um, playing this line, and it said this um, in the line, I'm unsure of the way, but I'm sure of who's leading. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm sure of who's leading me right now. And then the line goes, I'll follow you no matter where you lead, whatever you call me to, with every bit of my life, I want to follow you. And I'm listening to this song just crying in my car. And you know why I'm crying in this moment? I'm so frustrated because you know who wrote that song? Me. <laughs> I'd written it about three years earlier for other people to listen to, <laughs> right? <laughs> but not for me. But here's, here's my voice. A project that we worked on in our church saying, I'm unsure of the way, but I'm sure of who's leading, and I'll follow you. I'll follow you. And God uses all these things to remind, even if it's hard, it's not dreaded. It's not a, it's not a horrible will. It's, it's a good will. Now, the second, I think, misconception that of people that they have of God's will is what I call the drastic will. <laughs> okay, the drastic will, which is this. If you think that God's will for you will be a drastic revelation, you neglect his primary ways of direction. If you think it's going to be drastic revelation, right, you neglect his primary ways of direction. Because when we talk and pray about God's will, this is what you envision. You've never said it. But you're thinking you're going to be walking along the sidewalk, and all of a sudden the clouds are going to open up, and the sun's going to come through the trees, and all of a sudden on the ground there's going to be, in the shadow, a word that's written out. And it's going to say, I have no idea what this is going to say. It's going to say, whatever it is, it's going to say a name. It's going to say a city. It's going to say an opportunity, and you're going to go, oh! God has just said, I need to move to Columbia. God has just said, I need to marry Beth. And then you go, I know two Beths. Which one is it, God? You know, give me a little more clarity, okay? Give me, let me move over here. What, give, me, give me a last syllable, right, or something. And, and, and you think, honestly, that God's will is going to be this coming from the sky, drastic revelation, hits you right on the forehead, and you go, oh, this is God's will for you. And how often does that really happen? I've had some moments in my life where it's a little bit, huh, okay? But I'll tell you this, it's been more of a confirmation than a revelation, if that makes sense. It's God saying, I want to give you a confirmation here, not, not going, this is what you need to do. It's been funny of those kind of things of what we needed to do. Once again, um, when we had decided, God, we believe that you're calling us to Rocky Creek, here we are. We're going we're gonna to do this, but we're unsure of the timing and how this kind of stuff's going to work. Can I tell you that those moments that there, there were, those drastic moments of just funny stuff that I felt like God was doing. Like the time that I got us lost on the way from Charlotte back to Greenwood, and we were going through somewhere. Well, Surrey got us lost. She was GPSing us all over the place. And all of a sudden, we, there's a storm coming. It gets really, really bad, and we cross over this bridge. And guess what bridge it was? As Amanda and I were talking, do we move our family or not? It's called Rocky Creek Bridge. Oh, well, isn't that great? Okay, we go by that. And then all of a sudden, we, we go by this other place, and there's this. Uh, they're working on this neighborhood, and there's this huge circular uh, concrete piece they're trying to put in and uh, they're going into a neighborhood in Greenwood called Rock Creek okay but they misspelled it on the pipe it said Rocky Creek and I'm like are you kidding me right that there are those moments but we had already made this decision where God's just going like hey watch this Trav this is gonna be funny I can just see God like literally going Travis says he doesn't believe I do these things hey guys watch this right I mean it's just almost like he was just hilarious but I'll say this I did not make the call <laughs> to uproot my family and do something different because somebody wrote the wrong name on a neighborhood sign and piping, okay? Like it, but it was this confirmation, but it's, it's rare, I believe, for God to do something drastic, drastic 
in the sense of that, that the sky open up and you hear a voice from the clouds. I, I, I don't know it. Maybe you, I've never heard an audible voice of God. I haven't. I've been directed a whole lot through his spirit. But I've never heard audible voice of God. I've never uh, flipped through the pages of scripture and just pointed my finger down to, this is going to be God's will for me because sometimes that's dangerous, right? Okay, God, he's a rock. He equipped me with strength and he made my feet like a deer. All right, God, what's that mean I'm supposed to do, right? Move to the mountains? I don't know, right? Like, I don't think that God typically does that. How does he, he normally, his primary ways of direction is get in the Word. Stay in the Word. Walk and pray and, and get in tune with his Spirit. And I believe that most of the time God is saying, take this next step rather than here's the next hundred miles. I think that's how God normally typically works in our life. So a lot of times we're expecting to be the drastic will, but I think ultimately God's will is what I would call the delightful will. If you think that God's will is the most delightful scenario, you will be eager to find it and follow it. Folks, God's will for you is the absolute best answer for your life. The absolute best. Will it have challenges? Yep. And there'll be good challenges. I mean, have you ever been in that place in your life and you, you thought going through that season of hardship, you go, why am I having to go through it? And then five years later, you go, oh, that's why. You were preparing me for this. God, I see that now. And it's good and it's delightful. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the what? Desires of your heart. God, I, I've got, man, you mean you'll give me whatever I want? <laughs> well, if you're delighting yourself in him, guess what? Your desires are his now. His desires are your desires. You want the type of things that he wants. So yeah, you, you want those good, godly desires that are in Scripture? Yes, he'll give you those things. The desires of your heart are going to be done. Why? Because you're delighting yourself in him. So I believe that his will is delightful. It's a good and perfect gift. And so here's the thing, though. If you look down uh, through this page, you're going to see I've broken this down into two different sections. One is the sure part of God's will. And the second is the unsure part. So I'm going to give you some things that I believe these are. this is sure, guaranteed. If you're looking for God's will right now, that this is sure, you need to say, okay, this is what I can do, but then what do you do about the unsure part, what you're unsure exactly the specifics? So I believe when you look at the sure part, here's what I know. You find God's will by doing God's will, okay? You want to know God's will? You find it by doing it, day in, day out. You find God's will by doing God's will. Um, you don't typically get a sign from the Lord and you haven't been walking with him on a regular basis. I believe that God works a lot more in daily steps than he does once again. And just you haven't been walking with God and all of a sudden you, you make this huge leap of faith. I believe it's, it's over time. I think that's why Jesus came as a guy who said to a bunch of guys, follow me. Where are we going? Just over to that village. That's next. Then we're going to that house, and then we're going to do this, and this is going to happen next, and then we're going to get in this boat, and it's going to, it's just, it's just follow me at every point. And I think that the best way is you find God's will by doing God's will. And so um, one of the things that I always process in my mind is going, am I doing what I know God's already called me to do, right? So, so in this, I believe, folks, if you are looking for God's will for your life, I've got a book that is one of the best books I've ever read that really helps articulate when you're saying, I'm looking for God's will, like, what is it? The best book I've ever, ever read, it's this one right here. It's called the Bible. Okay? There, there's some stuff in here that's pretty clear about what we're supposed to do tomorrow, if you didn't realize. I mean, in fact, there's a couple of them I hadn't gotten to yet. I'm going to be honest with you. 
Okay, pastoral confession today. I am not completely 100% obedient all the time to everything in this book. Okay? So, for those of you that are going, God, I just I want to hear from you. He goes, read this. God, I want a direction for my life. Have you done what I told you to do? God, I, that's great, but I want to hear something else. Nah, let's go back to the basics here. Is, is there anything in your, I mean, I'm telling you, you want to fill up your schedule, you read this and start applying it. It'll, it'll fill up your schedule. You find God's will for your life by doing God's will that we already know about, it, right here, right now. So uh, one summer when I was in college, uh, I worked on an assembly line at Velux. Velux is, is the, the major corporation that makes skylights and, and, um, and uh, sky windows, whatever, for houses and whatnot. And I worked on the bottom sash of the windows, and I'd get this bottom sash. And I remember they'd, they'd bring out this whole pallet of wood, about a 1,000 pieces of it. And they said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to put these little two plastic things on this with this electronic screwdriver, and you're going to drill it in, and you're going to move all this wood from this pallet, get all those um, things on it, and move it over here to this side. And so I just do that, do that, do that. And I get down that pallet of wood, and I'm like, hey, all right, I'm done for the day, boss. Is it time for me to take off? Like, I got it done. He goes, follow me. And I said, where are we going? He goes, to get the job assignment. Oh, this is great. And then we go to this, this warehouse, and guess what? It was another pallet of wood that looked just like the one I just did. <laughs> And I, I said, no, I've already, I've already done one of those. And he said, yeah, we got our order. We, we've got to keep doing this. And I said, well, how long am I going to do this? He said, until we get done. And I went back there. There's a lot of wood in that wood shop. <laughs> and guess what? It was going to continue to come and follow me. It was ridiculous of me to ask my boss for a new set of instructions when I hadn't finished the first set. God, give me a word. Here you go. Here's my word. God, give me direction. Here's the direction. God, give me something to do with my life. Here's something. Read this. Do it. And share other people how to do it. There's God's will for you, okay? So when we really say, I want to do God's will, I think we have to realize this way. Why would God give you a new assignment if you have not completed the ones he has already given you? Okay? There's enough in our lives to intersect with God's word that, folks, we just need to get back to the basics. And let's just start reading studying, applying, and sharing it with somebody else. Just get in the middle and just start doing it. Start following God's will. And he's probably not going to give us a new set of instructions when uh, we've not. One of my, one of my favorite moments um, in college when I was really, okay, I'm going to follow you, God, by your word. Uh, I'd gone on a mission trip to Japan. And while I was in Japan, all I could think about were these guys in my dorm room, or my, my dorm, that would never go on a mission trip unless they went with somebody. So I just was like, Lord, help me take a group of guys from my dorm next, next summer. We can go. So I remember the yellow sheet of paper at this conference that talked about they needed 10 college guys to go biking and backpacking through the mountains of China to share illegal Jesus films and Bible with people. And I'm like, that is what I'm at, right? That sounds awesome. So I remember like going in the hallway, like, hey, you know, busting into some of my friends' room, like, who wants to smuggle Jesus films this summer with me in China? And they're like, uh, I got to pray for it. That normally means I'm going to blame God when I tell you no, okay, is what that normally means. When you, when you say something like this, I'm going I'm to act like it. Or I'm going to talk to my mama, and she's probably going to tell me no or something. Uh, but I remember just going and getting overwhelmed because so many people kept saying no, 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 no. And finally, I walked into somebody's um, uh, room one, one day, and I said, hey, I know you probably got to talk to God or your mom or your girlfriend about this, but I need a team, uh, people to smuggle some illegal stuff, for people who need to hear the gospel, and whatever. I know you probably won't go, but uh, I'm going this summer if you want to come with me. And he goes, I'm in. I went, what? 
And Adam goes, yeah, I'm in. And I said, what do you mean you're in? Like, you haven't even talked to God or your mom or anybody about this. Like, how can you make this decision? And he said, why do I need to ask God for something he's already told me to do? God said in his word to go make disciples of all nations. Here's a nation that needs to hear the gospel. Why do I need to get them to confirm it? He said it. Let's do it. And I thought, we've got two. Okay, like, so, so this was our, our squad, and eventually it did turn into 10 people. And eventually it was the one most life-changing uh, couple weeks of my life to see what God did in that time. But it came down to this. Did God tell me that I have this just like, oh, this is... No, I was reading God's word, and he said that people without the gospel were going to hell, and you need to do something about it. All right, let's apply it. And, and here's something that might free some of you tonight. I think God directed me to China, but I don't think China was the biggest part of it. I think just saying, yes, I'll go was the biggest part of it. I think sometimes we get lost. Was it China or Japan, God? Just go. He'll clarify the details as you go. Just the biggest part is, yes, God, I'll obey. I'll do what you call me to in your word, right? So here's some things that I've seen in Scripture right down here that I know without a shadow of a doubt that is God's will. This is a sure part because as I read these Scriptures, it's going to say this is God's will for you. So I want us to, um, you, you can turn with me if you want to turn really quick, but here's a few verses of Scripture that really says this is God's will for you. First Timothy chapter 2, 3, and 4. This is a time in the Bible where it says this is God's will. And this is it. It says, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's pretty good. What's God's will for you? Be saved. Isn't that good? I mean, that's really where it starts. God's will for you is that you would come to a saving knowledge of the truth. Today, as we were able to share the gospel in the services and just say, God's will for you is you don't have to be far from him anymore. You can be reconciled to God. Isn't that an incredible, incredible truth to know? God's will for you is to be saved. I heard a story uh, just a few weeks ago about um, a young girl in one of our services who, in, in the middle of, I mean, goodness gracious, sitting with her parents, hearing about Malachi and saying, God, you've given me your best, and I'm giving you my leftovers, and I'm sorry for that, and I need to be forgiven. And, and, and she, she basically hears God like calling her to salvation in the middle of a service when pastor's not saying, does anybody want to get saved? But she's going, I need to. She starts just scribbling down on her, on her bulletin there, just stuff that she feels God's saying to her, and she shows it to her parents. The next day, she comes and says, I believe that God saved my heart. Now, this is a beautiful moment where God's just reminding, like, his will for us is to be saved and to come to that knowledge of the truth. And so that's one place where I see in Scripture where it says um, his will is. The second thing is, is that I believe uh, his will is his sanctified. In First Thessalonians, you can take a left turn there. Sanctified means you're growing in Christ, you're becoming more like him. But I love when the scripture is very clear and it says this is the will of God. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Okay, it means this. God wants you to grow up. All right? So if you feel like I'm kind of immature, good thing. God wants you to grow up. But even gets closer. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Grow up, be sanctified, be more like him in holiness. Don't just do everything that feels good. Don't just do everything that feels good. God's will for you is sanctification. Grow up in Christ-likeness. Grow up in holiness. Uh, we've already mentioned the next one, Spirit-filled, where it says, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. 
if you're being directed by some other kind of force there, the Spirit of God's not directing you, but something else is. So make sure that's there. First Peter, um, God's will for you is suffering. And you go, wait a minute. This was sounding really good until this one, right? First Peter chapter 3, um, verse 17. Peter, by the way, when he was following Jesus, did he ever want to suffer? No. He ran from it as fast as he could. That's not going to happen to you, Jesus. No, 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 they're not going to arrest you. No, we're not going to be a part of that. And then when you read this letter, guess what it's all about? Learn how to suffer well. Chapter 3, verse 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. <laughs> Just promises? I think everybody here knows this. Every person in life will suffer. Amen? We'll all suffer. You'll either suffer for doing good or for doing evil. So some people suffer because they've made unwise decisions, and they've made sinful decisions, and they're suffering for being ridiculous. Okay? And then sometimes we're suffering for doing the right thing. Have you ever had that moment where you chose God's way and it was, there was suffering involved in that? He says, you're going to suffer regardless one way or the other, but I would rather suffer for doing right than for doing wrong. That's what this is saying. So suffer, suffer well. And the last thing that I'll see in, in God's word that I know for sure is, is that he wants us to be sacrificial. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy what? Sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Wow. That's awesome. So we're being sacrificial and saying, God, I want my life to count for you. And he says in that, I'll show you every perfect thing in God's will. So that's wonderful. Those are five verses that I'll see that talks to us about sure part. Those are things that should keep us somewhat occupied in God's will. But what about that unsure part? Because that's what everybody's like, okay, Trav, tell me option A or option B. Which is it? And in fact, sometimes people will say, just tell me. <laughs> okay, just which one is I can't make up my mind. What I would normally tell people is, are what I call the ABCs of God's will. You can see them there. Ambition, Bible, and counsel. Ambition, Bible, and counsel. If you are unsure about something, and it's not that one is sinful and one is holy, they're two good choices. I would say I want you to always think through what are the ABCs of God's will that Pastor Travis told me. A is ambition, B is Bible, C is counsel. And so what I mean by ambition is this. You ask the question, why do you want to do what you want to do? You got these options before you? Why do you want to do what you want to do? That will help you, I think, through a whole lot of decisions. And this is one that you honestly, we don't want to go through. If I can speak just real frank with you, most people want somebody just to give them the counsel. They want to bypass A and B and just get to C. Somebody tell me what to do. Just what, what should I do, pastor? What should I do, mama? What should I do, friend? Just somebody point. I think one of the most important things for you to do right now is you have, a, you have an opportunity to do this. I want you to do the, the gut-wrenching question of this. Why do you want to do what you want to do? You know that I have met some people in life who want to go into ministry because they think that working in a church or working in a ministry must be the most encouraging, loving place to work in the world. Now, I will say that that is my reality. <laughs> it's not everybody's. It's not everybody's. Um, I have some pastors, friends, that are about to walk away from their church, and I'm worried if they'll even come back to a church. 
by the way they've been treated. They're just done. If, if this is what the, it's supposed to be the bride of Christ, it's more like the bridezilla of Christ. This is ridiculous, right? It's just they're, they're awful. It's just this, I'm giving my life to these people, and they're, they're just, I, I, I could give you horror stories of what some good, godly folk are trying to do in their churches and some of the most ridiculous things that are happening to them. And you know what? When I have people that say, I just want to go into church because it must be really encouraging to do this. I go, hold on. <laughs> Why do you want to do this? I've known some people who want to go and even be missionaries because I think they just kind of don't want to have to have a normal kind of, they feel like, you know, my friend over here, they kind of have a casual pace and they can sort of go and do what they want to and hang out with people. And I'm going, why do you want to do what you want to do? Do you want to see lost people come to Jesus or do you just kind of go, ah, it sounds fun? Because I'm telling you, unless you have the grounding that God wants you to do something when stuff gets hard, folks, you'll back away. I can remember when I was a um, college student, um, Dr. Don Wilton did a conference that I, I went to, and he told a group of us that were wanting to go into the ministry, he said this. And th this piece of advice stuck with me. I don't have a lot of stuff that sticks with me, but he said, if you can envision yourself doing anything else in life other than ministry, don't go into ministry. If you can picture yourself doing anything else in the world, do that. He said, but if inside your heart you can't imagine anything else but that, you don't know where else you would go, you don't know else what you spend your life into, that's probably a good sign that God's put his call on you and you need to do it. But if you can picture yourself doing anything else, do that. Walk away from it. And so for me, in a decision of do I go right or do I go left, here are these good options. My question is this, why do I want to do what I want to do? And here's what I find a lot of times with some decisions that may seem good. If you really dig in a little bit further, you'll find this out. Sometimes this is about God's kingdom and sometimes it's about mine. Sometimes it's about promoting what he's doing and sometimes it's about promoting what I want to do, right? So God, let me, let me help filter that. So why do you want to do what do you want to do? So if you have pure motives, right? I, I've, I've talked with somebody recently. They said, I just feel like God may be, I don't know, we, we want to adopt and we want to help a child out. We just feel like there's some, some problems with this and maybe we weren't listening to God. And I go, I think, I said, let me, let me hear your decision here. Why do you want to adopt or help out a child? Well, there's a lot of children that are in need and I feel like that there's, maybe our family could help somebody. I don't think God's against that, okay? I think God's going to go, yeah, let me help you. I think maybe he's saying, hold on the timing. You don't know what's happening right here, and then it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in a certain place. But ambition, why do you want to do what, God, what, what you want to do? Second one is this. The B is Bible. Does the Bible encourage or discourage your intended direction? Does the Bible encourage or discourage your intended direction? Folks, if you were looking for a Bible verse that tells you who you need to marry or what city you need to move in to, you're going to be discouraged. It's not in there. But is there a biblical principle that encourages what you're wanting to do or discourages what you want to do? It's principle-based. Um, so, um, and, and sometimes in my life, um, I think I've shared this with you before, but praying through the Psalms were, were so pivotal for me. But even in the decision of do we, we follow what we believe God to be leading us to do and uproot our family and make a huge decision here, and a lot of times I would go, well, I don't know if this is the right timing. I don't know if I should do this. And then I would read certain psalms that would say stuff like this. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I would go, God, I've, I've only got so much time in my life left. 
Am I using the best use of the time, right? And so there were things in the Bible that would encourage me towards a certain path or discourage me from something else. So I will say this. Anything that you're wanting to do in life, if it goes against God's will, or if it goes against God's word, it is not God's will, okay? If you say, well, I know God's word says this, but it's not God's will if it's not in God's word. So you want to say, is what I'm doing a principle that is somewhat encouraging me or discouraging me? So A, ambition, B, Bible, C is counsel. How do Bible-saturated mentors think about your decision? How do Bible-saturated mentors think about your decision? And you go, why Bible-saturated more than anything else? Because I didn't want to use the term godly. Because you know what? Sometimes godly doesn't mean anything to anybody. That person's really nice. They're godly. Well, I've known some spiritual people that were spiritually wrong, if that makes sense. They seem spiritual and mystic, and they talk about what God wants you to do and all this kind of stuff, but yet it's not according to God's Word. Like, I want some people in my life that are Bible-saturated. They know God's will because they know God's Word. But this is why I put this as C instead of earlier on. I don't want you to bypass the A and the B part. I think too many people rush to the C part and go, Pastor, tell me this. Let me get a friend who will tell me this. What do you think? Here's two options. Which one should I do? Just, just direct me. I think that counsel should almost be there just to affirm your position, but I think it needs to be done that A, search me, God, know me, work through me, and B, where, where is the Bible in this? Is it encouraged or discouraged? And then eventually C, you might get to a counsel and figure this out. But here's, here's what I'm saying. If you are feeling right now the tension, if we go all the way back to say, is God trying to hide his will from you? The answer would be no, okay? He's not hiding it. But could God... Really think about this. Could God be making this a little bit complex or hard to see because he wants you to get closer to him before this next thing happens? So I think that possibly sometimes we miss the opportunity to draw close to God because we run to the mentor or the counselor first. If you're going, well, you just pray about this. I need to make this decision. I, I don't ever say this, but sometimes I'm thinking, well, how much have you prayed about it? Pastor, will you pray about this? Well, have you prayed about it? Well, I just want you to pray about it. Well, what about, what? my prayers aren't even more special than you, right? Are you praying and saying, God, I really want to know this? I think sometimes we miss what God is trying to do when we won't go through and check our ambition or really study his Bible, because I think part of it is God saying, I want you to get close. I want you to be near. In fact, you're going to need to be near for, for what's happening next. Um, I, I think through every time when I'm taking my kids before they were swimming, and if we're getting in the pool, what happens is, you know, at, at early age, they can't walk in the shallow end or the deep end, right? But something happens in their mind that when we get closer to the deep end, you know what happens to their grasp around my neck? It gets a little tighter, you know? It's like we're walking, we're walking, we're walking, and they get a little bit tighter and going, oh, we're in the deep end now. And I'm like, it's no different for you, right? Your dad is treading water now, but there's no difference for you. And I think sometimes, follow me, sometimes God's leading us into deeper waters. And for the sole purpose is he's getting us to draw a little bit closer. Oh, I, I, oh, this is a little scary right here. I need to get a little closer to you, Dad. It's going, you have no idea how close you need to get. You think this is scary? Some stuff coming up in about three years you don't even know about. And if you're not close to me now, you're not going to be able to handle that. So, yeah, it's going to seem like sometimes God is hiding his will. He's not hiding it. He's wanting you to come to him and ask him for it. That's what he's wanting to do. 
And if you learn it from afar, right, somebody else telling you what to do, and you're not hearing it from God, you're missing out probably on the whole point of this whole exercise, and that's to draw close to him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says it this way, You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. He does not say you will seek me and find me when you search for me with some of your heart, part of your heart. He says, no, no, no. I want you to seek me with all of your heart. So have you ever gotten that place where you say, God, I really do want to know your will. Like more than anything else, I want to hear from you. And I am saying I am willing to wait and really, really do the hard work. God, why do I want to do what I want to do? What's the ambition of my heart? God, what does your Bible teach me? And yes, if I need to go to get counsel for uh, affirmation or um, clarity, whatever, that's great. But can I be just beg you, especially in this area, be very careful who you listen to. When I say Bible-saturated folks, I want to hear from people who want what's best for God rather than what's best for me. Okay? Because there are people in my life that will always tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> I need the people in my life who will tell me what I need to hear. And sometimes those people, that counsel, are going to say, yeah, I know you want to do this, and I know why you want to do it, because you're selfish and you're trying to get out of your responsibilities. <laughs> this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do right here. So I want somebody who's going to be committed even to that end. And so, folks, I know that maybe tonight you were going, I was hoping we were going to get the, the drastic will, right, <laughs> where God would just sort of spell out what are those transitions in my life, what do I need to do next. But I'm here to say, um, Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It does not say it's a flood lamp to the next mile. And that's what I want, right? God, what's down there about five years from now? Is it scary down there? Where am I going to be? Who am I going to be with? What am I going to be doing? He's like, it doesn't work like that. My word is a lamp to your feet. Well, that didn't go that far. All I can see is what's around me. Yep. <laughs> Why is that? So you'll trust him for the next step and the next step and the next step. And it's a step by faith. And you're, you're literally shining the word on the ground and saying, all right, there's a hole over there. Don't walk there. It's dangerous over there. Don't walk. This is the only step that I get. And when you take that step, guess what? You can make the next step. Why? Because the power of his word. And so you go through that, trusting him, relying on him, walking with him daily, and you eventually you find God's will by doing God's will. And at the end of your life, you go, man, I've been a part of God's will because I've, I've just been doing it and practicing the small stuff. Take care of the small stuff, guess what? He'll take care of the big stuff. Father, I ask right now, and as a family, there's a lot of things that we probably need to address, think through um, in our own life, a lot of unsure things that maybe we're going through, but God, I believe this. You're not hiding your will from any of us. In fact, um, you want us to do it, to know it more than even we want to. And I desperately want to know it. You're not hiding it from me. You are causing, uh, desiring me to come near to you, to ask you, to seek you with my whole heart. And so, God, I believe that your will is so much better than even the best scenario that we have in our mind. And I, and I have wonderful things, which I think would be ideal. But you have something so far better. Lord, let us be people who desire your will over our own will. So whatever the transitions are in our life, the things that we're trying to figure out, God, help us be people who depend on you for the next step. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.